The Lewis Duvall Experience is a production of Soul Magic Studios. Welcome everybody to the Lewis Duvall Experience. I am so delighted that you chose to be a part of this experience with me. I mean, you could have spent this time doing anything and everything, but you chose to spend it right here with me. I am your gracious host, Louis Duvall, and I have an amazing person with me today. So let's jump right into it, shall we? My guest today on the Louis Duvall Experience, she's a director, editor, writer, and producer. I think what I would like to refer her as, she is the indie filmmaker's filmmaker. Uh, and there's so much of these indie filmmakers that are not being spotlighted, and I wanted to take this time to spotlight someone of a filmmaker's filmmaker's caliber uh, because she is what I would consider the pinnacle of grinding and hustling. And to me, that's what makes an emerging artist. So if we can give her some flowers, so to speak, I wanted to make sure that she was not only on my radar, but also being showcased here on the show because this is what the show is all about, talking to and pushing out their emerging artists. So my fellow listeners, it is a pleasure to present to you, Miss Tone Brown. How you doing, Tone? Hello, 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 Mr. <laughs> Louis Duvall. I am very excited and hyped and thrilled to be able to share in the experience. I am so effing happy that you are here today with me. I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, are you creating your own cinematic universe over there? Because I checked out your stuff and it's like, oh my gosh, this girl, is she's she's going to turn her own stuff into the TCU. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, sir. And yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. I believe in true independence. Although I love the industry and what it represents and what it does, but independence is the key for me because you get to control your content how you want your content to flow out there, and uh, you can do it your way. <laughs> so she is absolutely taking in and adopting the the universe as the TCU. That's that's that should be a brand. The the new TCU, calling it the Tone Cinematic Universe. Uh, oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, there you go. Coin it. I'll, I'll give you three percent. Just three percent back. Just three percent. I'll take it. I will take it. I like it. I like it. I like it. You know, you have been on my radar since I spotted you or since we spotted one another, because I think that you're um, you're seeing what we do on Saturdays at the Black Filmmakers Lounge. I think that's what got you on our radar and especially you, you've been on mine. So I, I, I've been peeping your stuff and checking your stuff out. And anytime that you post or anytime that you uh, throw something out there. It's like, you know, I love a person who's grinding, that's going out there, that's getting into the thick of things, you know, lacing up the bootstraps and just going forward. And it's because it's very difficult, you know, in this business to try to get something. So when you get a little snag on something, you know, you don't want to stop. It's like a drug. You get addicted to it. You know, you want to keep going. And I see your stuff and I'm like, I got to get her on the show. So thank you oh. so, so much for being here today. I am truly honored to be here, and thank you for asking. I would be remiss if I didn't. <laughs> well, you know, I usually don't. I usually do not do interviews and stuff like really? that. You know, 
So now I am definitely honored. So yeah, you 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 are the you get you get the you get. Let me give you a double air horn on that one. <laughs> thank well, you. I received. Thank you so much. So um, for the show, we we like to start off with our guests with what we call the humble beginnings. Um, Tony, where are you from? Originally, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, but I now reside in uh, Georgia. Okay. Um, in Indianapolis, um, how was your upbringing when it came to, like, were you always that girl that used to just sit in front of the TV? Because for me, that's what I was. Like, my grandmother, she sat me down, you know, as I was running around like a, like a, mad, like a mad kid. Uh, and she sat me down. She said, here, you know, just sit here and watch this. And when she turned on Empire Strikes Back, my world was blown. Like I didn't move from the spot for like hours because I was just mesmerized. So was your were you that kid when you were growing up? Like was what was captivating that got you, you know, to that point where you're like, I I, I want to do this now or what you're doing now? Like what was it that got you? Um, I didn't know when I was younger. It didn't hit me till I was older. Um, I actually went to college, became an accountant and worked in the corporate world for many years. <laughs> um, but um, looking back at it now, I realized the fever was always there. Um, I had this thing about I, I enjoyed watching every program. It didn't matter what it was. It was just entertaining for me. Um, I was addicted in a way where when I was sitting and watching a television show with my mom or my brothers, and if they fell asleep, I would become upset. And I would be like nudging them and waking, waking them up because I felt like they should be as you would put it, experiencing what I was experiencing, watching whatever I was watching. And I couldn't understand how they could go to sleep on it. <laughs> so I was always the interrupter of sleep for everybody because I felt like they should have stayed up with me. Then one of the other things, this is just all looking back, seeing how God has just really planted the seed in me because I would actually literally take a cassette recorder. This is giving me a little bit how long ago this was. Uh oh, here, here comes the juice. Here we go. I would literally take the cassette recorder and record television shows, and I would take them to my room and I would go to sleep to them, and I would be sleeping, visualizing their movements. Wow. And even when. Yeah. And I didn't realize what I was doing at that time. It was just something I was enjoying. Then I got the camera. Now, the camera just ruined everybody's world. <laughs> so your Oprah calls it um, she calls it the aha moment. Uh, I call it the come to Jesus moment. So your come to Jesus aha moment was when you were at that time taking the cassette tapes and watching these programs and these shows. What was your favorite show? I know you guys laugh, but it was actually the rookies. The rookies. It was a, I know it was a cop show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Oh I told goodness. you we're going to laugh. Oh I my used, goodness. <laughs> I told you we're going to laugh. That is, um, that is an oldie, but goodie. Yeah, because I used to pre pretend I was Jill Danko. <laughs> wow. 
I know, I know. So I'm really telling on myself a, a great deal on this one. <laughs> you know, the, the the crazy part is that we have very similar um, outlooks because I used to take the cassette tape and I would either, it, well, I went, I went further because I got digital. Uh, ah. I was taking the VCR tapes. Yeah, this is when I found out that you could take VCR tapes and, and dub whatever show. So I was like doing my own little mixing. So I would take masters of the universe or a little bit of transformers and a little bit of what's going on and whatever in in this program show but it's only what the vcr could pick up and i'm telling on my age because if you could do that with the vcr back in those <laughs> days that means That's that right. you were doing something so yeah st strange fruit on how we were doing similar uh similar similar stuff when, when it comes to this um so how long have you been in the business um, I've only been in the business since 2012. I started writing, actually literally writing serious um, in 2008, where I wrote my first novel. Um, and then I started filming in 2012. Okay. And, and then the bug just hit me and I've been going nonstop ever since. So you spoke about your camera. Um, not too many <laughs> people remember their first camera. But if, you're, but if you're behind the scenes, I think you kind of like know your camera like inside and out. But do you remember your first camera? Um, yeah, it was a, um, a Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling on myself again, right? <laughs> a Polaroid camera. Yeah, and, and... you know where it used to just uh, the, it used to slide out and you and you wave it in the air so that it would dry so you could, until the picture came clear. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, when, yeah. I'm telling, when, I'm telling on myself yeah, you, you big really, time. You really are. That, those are the days we had to take the take the picture. Those were the yeah. Those were the instant ones. The, the yeah. When you hear the sound effects when the picture came out. That, yeah. That, I remember those came. My mother had one, and she, I took one, and I broke it. And you know, she's to this day, she's like, "You broke my camera." But uh, what was, the, so your, your cinema, when it comes to your cinema cameras, what was your first cinema camera that you used? My, believe it or not, my first cinema camera was a $24.99 camera um, that I got at a pawn shop when I started filming. Oh my gosh, what was that? I need to know that. Now I'm getting, now I'm nerding out. I need to nerd out a little second. Wait, it was a Fuji. It was a Fuji. It it was a Fuji. Oh wow, the small yeah. one, the, the small ones. Yeah, I remember the one those. that fit in the, the one that fit in the palm of your hand. Yeah, that one. I remember though. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And and the flash, you just hit a button and it just right, pops up. Right, right, right. Do you still have it? Oh, I will never let it go because <laughs> to me, it's part of my dream. Right. That's you got to dip that bad boy in bronze or something. Uh, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I remember mine. It was a Panasonic AG. There's some numbers after that. It was. I thought I was just doing something because you could you can shoot at night, so that mm. it had built-in night vision. So if I wanted to shoot a scene of a raccoon running across the street, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it is so not a cool camera now. But I will never depart with it. But uh, that's that is so dope. So you've. You you kept the camera. Um, oh yeah. What have you gotten now since you've been in the biz and you've been doing <sighs> your own thing? What have you, looking back, like what you're using now to what you were using? Um, I know it's been a traumatic jump. So what are you using now? 
I have a collection now. <laughs> She's got a Smithsonian. Okay, let's hear it. I I um I am now uh I have a camera fetish where I just if I see one I like it I just get it. Um, now let me make sure I understand the question. Are you meaning what I just happened to have or what I actually well, no, like to film with? You actually, you, you've answered it because you said you have a collection, okay. so you have an, a wide array. So let's say like your last project that you just did, like what camera did you use for that? Um, I, because I have such little hands and I, 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 I like holding the camera. I'm a Canon fan. Oh, okay. Okay. And I always, and I always, you know, people always want to know what do you use? What do you use? So I always, especially women, I always say find that comfortable Canon because the Canon fits so well in your hand. And if you're like me, I like to move with the camera. You know, I am the dolly. <laughs> I am the rig. I climb up, you know. I climb up on ladders and get that shot. Hey. You know, I crawl on the floor. I go through the bushes to get the shot that I'm trying to get, you know. Um, but I like the feel of that. Even though I know we got equipment for it, I like the feel of it because when I'm looking through that lens, I knew, I know the movement I want my body to move to get the kind of shot I want. Does that make sense? It is what you, what I just described earlier. You are the filmmaker's filmmaker because only certain people would be able to do something like that. Um, there was a, oh, wow, uh, I'm dating myself. So, well, not too much, but the beginning of The Walking Dead. I don't know if you've ever seen the show. Uh, was, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm an addict. Go ahead. <sighs> See, I knew I loved you so much. So, <laughs> hey, man, yes. yes. A, there was a, um, the very first episode, well, I, I, I won't say the first episode, I'll say the second episode. Maybe the first one. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it's the first one. So do you remember the scene? It's when Rick is on the horse and he's riding into downtown Atlanta and it's like desolate, nothing's there. And he's riding on the horse, you know, like the old Westerns and then he's galloping down the street then he cuts a corner because he's going kind of fast and he cuts the corner and he sees all these zombies and the he gets startled the horse gets startled knocks him off the horse and the zombies go to town on the horse traumatic scene when i saw that but the, there was a uh, a shot where the character rick he went underneath a tank and he was trying to get himself escaping from the zombies that was either coming from the left to the right. But the way that they shot it, so it was underneath this, uh, it was underneath the tank and he was, it was like a sliding motion. And what I found out was when we did the behind the scenes, when they showed the behind the scenes, it was like they had did, it was the director underneath the tank with his own handheld and told the person behind him, all right, pull pull me out, you know, but pull me out real slow. And he slid him out underneath the tank to get the shot of him moving, but still, you know, he's crawling underneath the tank, but yet the camera is dollying. He was like he like you said, he he was the dolly. I don't know if you remember that shot where he's underneath the tank, but when you said that, I was like, I instantaneously went straight to that episode and I'm like that's the usage of someone who is a gritty filmmaker that gets into the muck and the grind and doing that. So the next time I see one of your, you know, one of your bits and I see you doing that, I'm like, I know that, I know that shot. I've seen that shot. So go back and check the walking dead episode one 
right at the end of the episode and where he's underneath the tank and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But the film- Oh, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I definitely do. Um, Cause that's when he met Glenn and Glenn right. kind of pretty much just said you an idiot. Right, <laughs> exactly. And he found the opening and he went inside the tank. Yes, ex- that's yeah. exactly it. So, oh my gosh, you're a walking dead. Are you still a walking dead fan? Oh my goodness. I, I, my mouth water for it to, for it to come on. Yeah, I actually, I, I actually have myself set up for the advanced um, uh, uh, shows, so I I watch them before everybody else. Wow, yeah, I have a love hate relationship with The Walking Dead now. Really <laughs> well, explain that Walking Hate. Well, <laughs> see, I I was really into the show. Like you couldn't tell me my Sundays was not blocked off. Like I would tell people, don't bother me. Don't call me. Don't do, it is walking dead time. For that hour, leave me alone. Just give me an hour for my own self. And after a while, you know, spoilers for anyone who's never seen this, you know, show before that's on AMC. But after a while, it's like people started dying off that I'm like, why did you kill that person? Like, why couldn't you kill that guy? Why did you, why couldn't you have killed this person? But people well, just started just falling off. And then when Rick left, I was like, uh, like when his son died, I was like, yeah, this this is this is the turn for me. And then when Rick finally left, I'm like, yeah, I'm really done. I don't know what else to go with it. So, well, you have to look, you, but you have to watch that as a filmmaker perspective, not as an audience perspective, I, I, because. Dad, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, because people, you know, are actors, their lives change. And it took a long time for me to really connect to that because I was so into, this is our opportunity. You say you want to do this. We got to do this. But I had to come to terms to understand these are they're actors. There are actors, but they're still people and they have lives and their lives change when their lives change our film has to change right. and that's what was going on with that as right. much as we hated to lose them because I felt what you felt especially with Carl <laughs> Carl Carl how does his accent Carl, Carl. You, know, you know the crazy part is that I had no idea that he was English like I, I, I was shocked that several actors of the show were uh were english you know like from you know from from the uk i was well i i have a tip i have a tip on that there's a mass majority of the actors that are very popular that are english they learn our language so they can do our films and i talk to actors a lot i'm like you got to take this at a different level because they're coming in and taking roles that you could have, but you can't have because you, you communicate and you operate with such entitlement, you're missing the entitled. Right. And, you know, it, it, they're, they're taking the game to a whole different level. And, um, they're, and, and their heart for the performance is really just so mesmerizing for me, especially Cynthia, the one that plays Harriet. She's now getting ready to play Aretha Franklin. Yeah, Cynthia Erivo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 but Jennifer Hudson also did it. Right. Yeah. I, but guess who you're hearing all about? Cynthia Erivo. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Not yeah. taking anything away from Jennifer because that girl is talented. 
But it's but this is what I always try to help actors to understand. That's why I post the way I post. It's not just about how talented you are. It's how you come as a well-rounded person that you're going to bring to that 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 art to that craft to that production and uh, I'm, I'm trying to put out there to help actors understand it's not about booking it it's about what you're going to bring to that character develop that project to become Oscar winning and there's an there's an argument out there that can be um, it can go either way it's the argument prefaces this, who wants it more? Uh, do Does the American actor, especially if they're African-American, do they want this more? And do they show it that they want more? And, well, it's, I... and, 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 it's, and it's more so the, are you in it for performing? Are you in it to to be the actor or are you in it to become famous? So there's a, there's a really hard argument out there that I've been listening to and just like chiming in when they're, when, when I see those posts, when I see those comments, when I see those videos, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. Do we? Well, I'm going to um, put my perspective on it because I've been doing, I, you know, I, I love my actors and I give them so much of myself that it pains me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you know, we do. Be, That's what we do. You know, be, as filmmakers. Because, yeah, because you know they they cut you at the core without even realizing it before, during, and afterwards. They cut you to the core, but they do not realize it, and they don't realize how much you really invested into giving them something to present their talent. And um, so um, I'm not as challenged as I was at the beginning because I think I made it more personal um, than I probably should have. But now I'm putting it all in perspective because I'm growing in the industry and I'm coming to learn and understand more um, to why a lot of the filmmakers that are big names, why they do things the way they do mm-hmm. to keep things quiet because um, you, you, you have to communicate your project in the perspective of who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes who you're dealing with, their mindset is not on the same level of your goal. Are you on Clubhouse? <clears throat> I am a Android, so oh. no. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I and I, I hear a lot about it. And I, I just figured when the time and the season for me to be a part of that, I'll be a part of that. Um, I yeah. hear bits and pieces, but people are really quiet with that clubhouse other than mentioning the clubhouse. <laughs> let, let me let me just, if I may, um, first off, you, you need to come to the dark side of the force to come <laughs> on the, the Apple side. Well, you know, I think and I think uh, the, the app itself, they're they're in beta testing. So they are experimenting with us as guinea pigs to see just what's what and who's who. And mm. making improvements as they go, I would, I would, I would submit that at some point they will hop over to Android. I don't know why they haven't done it thus far, but yeah, you know, I guess platform issues. But the reason why I ask is because there have been rooms. So Clubhouse, it 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 has like an immense amount of people to connect. 
people from all over the parts of the world at any specific point of time, if something is happening or something is, or a topic that's interesting, you can hop in, you can listen, you can participate. It's, it's all audio, but it's so immensely diverse in, in, a, <clears throat> in certain cases, it's a safe space, um, depending on where you're in, what, what rooms you're in listening in. And there's actors rooms, there's directors rooms, there's producer rooms, there's so many writers, there's so many different aspects of rooms that you can go in to chime in and, and be a part of the conversation. And what you just specified was something that I was listening into from, uh, was I would say about last week, um, with that very same topic. So it, it's, I, I, you know, I just wanted to get people on the, on the, on the clubhouse bus if they haven't been on there, but you're team Android. So, you know, boohoo. <laughs> but, you know, even if you have an Android phone, you can still do, if you have an iOS device, like if you have like, I don't know, if you have a, uh, an iPad or something, you may not even have it. I don't know if you have an iPad, but if you do, you can get on it. But uh, it's not just subjective to just the phone. So if you have. Yeah, I tried, I tried it with my Mac. No, it's, yeah. Well, what type of, what, what Mac do you have? Oh, oh Lord! You had to ask me that. Is it, no, ask because me I have camera. A... Don't ask me. Uh, <laughs> um, my Mac is. Uh, if it's an older um, Mac, then you won't be able to get it. If it's a newer Mac and you know someone who has the app, then you can. There are ways you can getting it of getting it. But uh, I like you. I have an older Mac, so I I wouldn't be. I I, I struggle to try to get it on there. So yeah. No. Well, I just, like I said, I just feel like, you know, when my season is time to be there, I will. Um, but um, right now, my mindset is more on just getting back in the smoothness of grinding again, because, you know, with COVID, everything's right. been set back. Right. I'm trying to do my catch up, you know, on a lot of things. Has that been the most difficult part or difficult component as an independent filmmaker? Like, has that been mm -hmm. your biggest challenge that you face as a filmmaker? Has is, has it been COVID or is, was there other issues? Now, COVID was needed for me because I was grinding so hard. I was not resting. I get it. <laughs> I get it. That's the rest so of the world. So it gave me the, yeah, it gave me the opportunity to really to recuperate in a way that I never would have done for myself. Okay, okay. I was forced to really allow my body, my body was in such pain from the grind that I didn't, it had, it had learned to tense itself to, to ignore the pains. So when it started wow. relaxing, my body started talking to me in a really bad way. Listen. So all I, so all I could do was take a Vicodin, <laughs> Not an ibuprofen, a Vicodin and a wow. muscle relaxer just so that my body can re recuperate because it really got, it was I was beating up my body. So it really was a valuable time and lesson for me because now I'm, I'm focused in one on my health physically and, you know, movement right. so that I can, you know, better take care of myself on set. The good old saying is, if you're no, if you're not good to yourself, you're not good to anyone else. So, absolutely, you, you you've got to take care of you. Otherwise, there is no TCU. Ah, don't play, don't hit the player, hit the game. Bars, <laughs> bars. Uh, <laughs> so, with if if COVID was not, if COVID wasn't in this in, in the spotlight, 
has everything from your production standpoint. Like you've got a lot of content. Like I'm surprised like none of your stuff, like your website is filled with nothing but content. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like has it was, has it been smooth sailing? Have you had some hiccups? Has it been, you know, have you been blessed where you're like, nope, I have, everything is cool. Like what's been the experience throughout your journey? Um, I think it, it was, it, only thing that changed for me was actually resting and um, relaxing my brain and catching up and enjoying binging some shows that I never allowed myself to have time to binge. Cause when I write, I don't like to watch, uh, shows because I don't want the influence of other stories. Right, right, right. I know people like that. Yeah, so I shut everything down when I'm writing, so that way sure I, I'm confident to know that when I wrote it, I wrote it, and nobody <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and nobody comes later talking about well she stole my story, and I can confidently say uh, no she did not, and I believe this with all my heart. That's when I don't worry about what I post. People are like why are you posting that in advance and blah 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 because I know how I do it. Whoever takes it or whoever does it differently, it's not going to be the same message because it came from me. Right, right. So I don't worry about that kind of stuff. And that's one of the things I, I made a promise to myself when I got started. Don't get caught up on who takes and who steals. Because I had people that, you know, try to take my script, put their name on it. I've had people that try to take advantage of me in so many multiple ways. Talk about it. You know, and, talk about and it. Because, and because I would not, uh, you know, they assumed because I'm nice <laughs> that they could get away with it. And when I didn't allow them to get away with it, of course, they they turned on me. But instead of taking responsibility for their actions, they tried to discredit me. Mm, so because, wow. and do. Yeah. And then due to that purpose of trying to discredit me, put me in a mindset of I wanted to learn everything everybody does. So I am a one woman show majority of time when I film. I don't even do a crew. And as many of our seasoned filmmakers, especially independent filmmakers that are women, I find that that is a common thread that it's they're being stepped on or they're being looked upon as the little guy. So it's easy to manipulate or, oh, this person don't know that much or this person is like novice. They don't they don't know. So let me just, you know, let me coerce them in doing something that because they're they're not they're not <clears throat> they're not seasoned. Um, and that's a, that's unfortunate. Um, and I, I, well, I, I would see I see that often and I'm glad that you recognized it. And I'm glad that that's not your common thread. Well, let me just put it this way. I don't give them a choice to be able to even make it a common thread on my side. I know side. that's right. I know that's right. Hold on now. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get, I get women, you know, they see what I'm doing and they reach out to me. But a lot of times they end up not liking my answers because they think my answer is supposed to be prissy. And I'm like, uh, you can't be, yeah. you can't be prissy in an industry like this. Do you have a, <laughs> I call it, the Johnny Depp to the um, Tim Burton. Like there are certain directors that have their go-to actors 
when they do their projects? Do you have a Johnny Depp to your Tim Burton films? If that makes I sense, call, you your go-to I do. actor. Okay, who, who? I do. I, I call them. I call them my favorite. With my Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, there you but, go. There you go. Who shot them out? Let's 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 but, see who they are. But I'm have. But I'm have to say, um, I no longer do that anymore because oh. they start yeah oh. they they get comfortable being that Leonardo uh, DiCaprio that yeah. they take advantage and they they think that um it's guaranteed that you'll get the role from you I, well it, well a lot of times in my mind it is guaranteed because I find myself because I'm so into their performance that we jail that I when I write I end up writing for that actor okay you know, what I've learned about that actor, like when I wrote Devastation, that was eight years ago, I wrote it for my dear uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> but that Leonardo DiCaprio got caught up with other communications of other actors right. or filmmakers that chose to try to discredit me that they cut themselves off from me. Which caused them to lose many opportunities that were set up for them. I see. I see. Which is unfortunate. Um, everyone. It is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. But, you know, that's the reason I say that's the industry where I had to come and grow up myself and learn that actors will be who they are because they're human beings mm -hmm. and they have lives that change mm -hmm. their perspective, their, their, their honor, you know, as you know, cause you always get, I know I do. You always get an actor that come on talking about, Oh, I love me some Tone and, you know, support me and I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to be there for you. But once the filming is over, the whole, whole persona starts shifting and changing or their ghost. Are their goals, and I'll right. and I'll try and I'll try to stay in that same communication with them. But when I experience or sense their change, I flow with their change because I don't want to interrupt their path. Right. And, and and my feeling is, what God has for me is for me, and who's going to be a part of it. Right. And even though I had multiples Leonardo DiCaprios. Um, when their lives shift and however it chose to shift, mm -hmm. God always seemed to bring someone that came right behind them that gave me so much better than what I had anticipated when I started with the original. Does that uh, make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And I think that you need those experiences to grow as a filmmaker, uh, <laughs> to know just, you know, if you're not... How do you become seasoned un unless you go through some stuff or unless you experience some stuff? So I, I, I totally understand. And, and that's that's the way that's the pathway in certain cases um, In others. There there are there are directors slash actors that have that commonality where they it's not as so much as a comfortability standpoint, but it is like it's a respectability standpoint. It's like that actor respects the director to the point where they, they, they're they destined for one another, which is why they work well with one another. Like they can finish each other's sentences in certain aspects. So everybody- Now I would love to have that experience. 
I ain't gonna kid you. I would love to have that experience. I would probably uh, flow more projects out if I had that. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't. But um, one of the things that I have noticed, and um, a filmmaker just reached out to me. Um, they were they were communicating to me. You know, how do you deal when they're trying to when an actor's trying to manipulate you or or um, you know put this put this force on you after you didn't cast them and you're trying to work with them. And I just really simply say, recast them. Yeah. And that's, there you go. And, I, and I know this is kind of cold and I know it's actors business. that's going to be listening to this. This is not to offend you no. in any kind of way. I respect your, your talent, your craft in every way, but I respect it more when you bring it real and you honor and follow through on what you say you're going to do and just be who you are right. instead of instead of pretending to be something that you're not. You don't always have to be acting, act on the screen, but you don't have to act with me on a personal level. That should and, that should be a commonality, though. That should be a common thread through the industry practice. I, I my my often saying is there should be honor amongst artists. And unfortunately, there are those that try to swindle or bamboozle. And uh, yeah. Well, I don't even want to, honestly, and I'm just giving you a whole new different perspective to how I feel about that now. I don't think it's a bamboozle. I think it's just a human nature of, you know, you know how when you have a dream, yes. you go for it once it's satisfied. You don't want it no more. You're off to the next thing. Uh, um, just like, you know, just like The Walking Dead. You know, yes. some people are diehard, love it. Yes. But some people it's like, I'm just so over it. And it, you know? it's, it's like you you reach that and like, great, I got here. What's next? Oh, right. okay. There, there's that mountain. All right, let me climb that. Okay, I'm here. Great. What's mm -hmm. next? Oh, the sky. Right. Okay, let me go and, you know, get to the stars. And then you get there. You're like, okay, what's next? Oh, the space station. So, yeah, I get it. So the best re recommendation of thought that I would like all directors to come to terms with is um, sometimes who you're dealing with is just a passing through. Mm. So there, so don't allow yourself to get to that point. You so attached that it prevents your function to pursue your own desire. And to my, and to me, that is why a lot of filmmakers do not get their projects finished mm. because they get so hung up on the, the, as you put it, the thread of how they think it should go. And they want to hold on to the vision of that particular actor or how that was, how it was going. But you have to learn to flow with the shift of your project. And I, I believe just my way of thinking is my my shift of my project is God. Mm. And anytime anything happens, instead of me reacting to it, I pause and I, I you know, take an even keel to it and just say, OK, God, if this is happening, then I may have been off off track. And I was so caught up in how I wanted to see it done that I missed how you were trying to tell me to do it. And I let and then when the actor changes their mind, perspective or attitude towards me, I just say, OK, and I just let them go the direction they need to go because they're I'm, I'm realizing their season 
with me may have only been for that moment, not a not a marriage. Mm, yeah. As much as you would like it to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. they divorce you, and you when you get divorced, you have to let them go so you can live your own life. And it's healthy to uh, you know to have separation from those that you that need to be separated so that way they can grow because it could be one stifling the other or preventing each other's growth kind of like how you said mm -hmm. like in a marriage you don't some, some some situations some relationships are best if they're detached so that way the other can grow and that makes perfect sense and 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 to to some some people there are some situations that they they're not doing that and they're just prohibiting that growth from actually you know expanding so they could have been something they could have been they could have been a contender you know they could have been something but that's well but see that's what you got to separate they can be the something you think because you usually see as a filmmaker or director or producer you usually see a potential in a, a actor more so than what the actor sees in themselves right and then when you put you know because i have one actor that i worked with and they were sag and they were magnificent and I saw something so much more than what they had limited themselves to do. They put so much limit on their style that they didn't see their opportunity. And instead of seeing what I was trying to give to them, they took it as a threat and became offended to my wanting to give. All I wanted to do was uplift them and give them the option to widen their performance and so I had written a specific script to try to help them widen that performance, but they didn't know how to receive it. So they, they instead of just saying, I don't want it, they got mad at me because they felt like I was pushing them. So I had to back off and let them take the journey that they needed to take for themselves. So they specifically made them um, a method actor. And it's okay to understand the mythical of being a mythic actor, but don't lock yourself in. Because you're always saying you don't want to be pigeons, but you just pigeons yourself. And then you're going to wonder why you get cast for only these type of roles. Well, you're getting cast for that type of roles because that is what you submit for. That's what you've allowed yourself to only do. You don't broaden yourself enough. So when you get a filmmaker that's willing to um, help you grow and change your perspective, open up to it because you, where they go, they're going to take you kind of like what I love about Leonardo DiCaprio. He's worked with different directors, but the one director, um, Martin, who has allowed him to diversify his skills, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Opened, him, opened him up to be able to be ready for that next role that actually finally got him his Oscar. Such heartfelt gems. And, you know, question, Tone. Uh, uh -oh. Speaking about actors, no, it, it's actually a transition to something that I, I'm curious about. Okay. Um, let's let's fast forward, if you may. Let's go into the let's dip our minds into the future. Let's put on our third eye and we, we'll okay. we, we'll peek into the future. Um, if you had your your wish list, so to speak, who would be someone that you would just love to work with? If you had it your way and the budget was there, the project was there, their agent saw it and they're like, yes, we're doing this. Who would be that person that you would love to work with? 
Well, I have uh, two, and I'm sorry they're not going to be what probably what most people will assume. Um, but I no, would no, say, no. Give it, uh, give, just go ahead and give it. Give it. Yeah, for me, I would say Anthony Hopkins oh, and wow. John and, mm-hmm, and John Travolta. Oh, those are very too interesting. Why, why, why Anthony? Well, I mean, I should I shouldn't ask why Anthony because it's no, it's Anthony fine. Hopkins. But yeah, why, um, why, why, why those two? Um. I like the diversity of John Travolta on how he can go from funny to being reckless to being um, just downright evil. (laughs) (laughs) I like his diverse in how he can just switch it on and be what you need him to be. And he's not a, um, a hard person to work with. You hear such greatness on his um, way of being on set. It's what you, he's so hard into what you want, what he, he wants to deliver for you, for your character. It's not about him. I love that about him. And then uh, Anthony Hopkins, um, what can I say? I had the pleasure of being at a uh, director's dinner where some actors were there and he literally requests to sit next to me. Oh, wow. Exactly. And he's even told me when I have that right project, he will be willing to work with me. No way. Get and I was, out and I, of here. And I was, and I sat with him all evening and we talked. <laughs> That's so dope. <laughs> and we talked about actors and you you know we talked about film and projects he really helped me grow in that time I spent with him um and and he gave me a whole emotional perspective of how to really tune in right in this industry um as a filmmaker not as a just forget I'm a woman you you'd automatically know I'm a woman I don't have to tell you I'm a woman I don't need to be the first woman anything, first black anything. Mm-hmm. I just want to be good at what I'm doing. And that was the conversation we had. And his advice to me was, if you're going to be good at what you do, then let it be you. Nobody else, just you. So you you know who you like, take what you like, and but you make it you. And that was even the same message that Steven Spielberg uh, said in his movie and when he was interviewed and when he talked about um, the color purple. Mm -hmm. And that was his message, you know, because at first I was really hung up on I'm trying to make sure everything is different than anybody else's, all that kind of stuff. But he was but he was my wake up and saying Everybody's taking everybody something. But if you're going to take somebody something, make it yours and make it better. There are scenes in The Color Purple that were scenes from other movies that he just took it and enhanced it. Like the part where the girls are running towards each other and they start doing the patty cake in the in the field. Yeah, yeah. That comes from that comes from a 1920 movie that he just brought to today's world and made it better. Wow. And, you know what I'm saying? Wow. And then, so, yeah. So um, if you get an opportunity, go and watch some of his I, um, 
YouTube videos where he talks about the different projects that's not in the movie, the documentary that he talks uh, about. Okay, okay, yeah, because his documentary, his documentary is serious. I, I, man, I felt I was mesmerized when I saw his documentary. But uh, his documentary was good, but it didn't touch on a lot of the stuff that that's out there that you can really learn from him. Well, then YouTube it is. I'm a YouTuber, so YouTube yeah. it is. And you know. I, I I gotta say those were some amazing gems that you just shared with uh, with those listeners. I, and you know, as a from coming from an indie filmmaker, that's gonna mean a lot to other actors, other directors, other producers who are uh, writers that are in the same uh, I would say in the same category or same uh, uh, niche uh, as on the independent scale. Um, and in in all essence, we are all independent filmmakers, and we are all independent. So, um, that was amazing gems. So, um, we've reached the part of the show where I have to ask Uh-oh. the questions. Okay. Um, the questions that I'm going to ask, which was famously asked by the late James Lipton um, from the Actor Studio. If you've seen the Actor Studio, then you kind of know where I'm going with this but uh, these are the questions that he implored to his actors or to his guests I should say um, and uh, I <clears throat> doing the show I, I, I've missed having those questions even being served so maybe those who have never had these questions even being posed to them uh, I'd like to hopefully be the first to re-energize the questions so if you may, my dear Tone, could you indulge me in the questions from the actor studio? Let's right. do it. Come on, Hollywood reporter. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Tone, what is your favorite word? Win. What is your least favorite word? Quit. What excites you or turns you on? Life. And what turns you off? Uh, disrespect. What sound or noise do you enjoy? Um, no sound. <laughs> <laughs> My brain goes so much. The peace, when I get to that point of quiet and I can just hear the chirping of the birds, that's it for me. And what sound or noise do you hate? Oh my goodness. Um, now that one is kind of hard. You know, you normally want to say, oh, that chalkboard. Um, the nails on the chalkboard. <laughs> I, I would normally want to say that, but th that doesn't bother me so much now. Um, I have the sound, but I don't know how to describe it. Um, I apologize. I can't answer that one right now because I can't think because there's a sound that happens and it's on set sometimes. And it's, it's it's a real long, long noise that it's like, what is that? Can that be stopped? <laughs> we, we can we can easily probably call that background noise, annoying background noise, because it definitely okay, does happen. It does happen. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say the annoying background noise then, because, yeah, when that happens, especially when I'm in a focused mindset. Oh, boy. It's like, whoa, cut that off. <laughs> 
Tone, what turned you off? Um, just uh, people that don't have code of ethics, you know, about who they are and they don't bring their genuine self and they want to um, uh, make you think they're one way and then they turn out to be something else. That is such a turn off for me. Just be you. And if you were not a filmmaker, what profession other than that would you attempt? I'd probably be still an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been an accountant. You've been an accountant already because that's what you studied for. So what uh, what would be outside of filmmaking or accounting? Uh, outside of that, what would you attempt? A dog trainer. What profession would you absolutely despise doing? What I've done, work, worked in restaurants. I can, I definitely can hallelujah on that one. I know how that feels. <laughs> and lastly, if heaven does exist, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, you did everything I told you to do. Wow. And wow. Ah, well, I want to take this time to thank my guest, Tonay, today for giving me her precious time and her love on the show today. Uh, on behalf of all of us here at the Lewis Duvall Experience, we say thank you, Tonay. And we want to say thank you for all those listeners out there. And if you are new to this, please subscribe and keep us up to date to any future episodes. And Tonay, once again, Thank you, and I appreciate you, and I love you. Well, thank you so much for having me, and it has been an absolute honor. I hope that it was a great interview for you, that I was able to give your audience, as well as yourself, good information, not only about myself and the industry, but a positive note of, you know, we can do this thing. Absolutely. So to all of you, all of you out there, I say thank you, and until we meet again, rock steady. Rock steady, baby. Oh, my, um, oh, was I still on? <laughs> You're great. And now, a moment of poetry. I knew this cat from around the way he used to say too cool boy too cool this cat used to drink and smoke cigarettes and joints and share his philosophical points and after that he'd say too cool boy too cool once in a while on a curvy stand and share the world's economical plan of what it takes and how to be a man and after that he'd say too cool boy too cool he used to tell the kids going up and down the block that love was harder than a rock and go hards is talk that talk, but they don't walk that walk. And then he would say, too cool, boy, too cool. But one day this cool kid came along and he shot him. And that cat from around the way died. I didn't know why. Some say the kid thought he was hard and plus he was high. That cat from around the way was a cool guy. I miss him and what he used to say. Somehow his words brought thought and joy 
Too cool, boy. Too cool. That was Michael Melvin with his piece, Too Cool Boy, from his book, Prelude to Life Poetry. For more of his work, you can check out his website, memelvinfilms.com. There you can see more of his work and you can purchase his book. On behalf of the Lewis DeVal Experience, we say thank you to all of you who are listening. And if you are new here, please subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll never miss out on any of our future episodes with these awesome, amazing, and wonderful guests that are emerging on the scene. Check us out on Instagram at the Lewis DeVal Experience. Leave a message or share what you think about the show. And who is your wish list guest that we should have on? You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and now iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So until we meet again, be blessed, create, and as always, rock steady. The Lewis Duvall Experience is a production of Soul Magic Studios.